Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll With Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the dungeon master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins on the 14th of Altor, in the year 1069 PR, the morning after Sylvie was returned to our hero's farmstead. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? Well, I learned that powdered hot chocolate mixes much better with a liquid that's hot than a liquid that you heat up with the powder in it. And also, it seems that, like, all of our seasonal information is going to be broadcast probably after the season. So for everyone right now, it's Christmas time here in Campaign 2, um, outside of Ebris. So yeah, for that one, I'm going to be taking a plus one, because it is useful somewhat. It's not, it's not mind-numbing information, but it's not particularly intelligent, so plus one for me. I also have a relevant holiday fact. So in the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a lot of people, especially kids, will sing like extra parts. They're called echoes. So like it'll be like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and you'll say reindeer after that. We don't actually know how or why that started. It's not in the original song. And it's, like, there are versions of the song, like, more modern that have it, but it's not, like, there isn't a direct source that anybody could find. The song came out in, like, 1949, I think, and the echoes started sometime in the 50s. That's, like, the first recorded instance of them happening, but they were really varied and changed a whole bunch until, like, the 90s when media became bigger, and even now they're fairly different between versions of the song that people learn, just like as kids, and we don't really know how or why. I'm gonna take a minus one because I really wanted an exact explanation for this fact, and I just couldn't find one. I also have a holiday fact, so I guess we missed the memo, but we got it anyway. Jingle Bells, the song we know, was actually intended to be a Thanksgiving song. 
man by the name of James Lord Pierpont wrote the song, originally called One Horse Open Sleigh, for his church's concert in about uh, the 18th century. In 1857, the song was re-released under the name Jingle Bells, and it's still the most popular Christmas song. One of the most popular Christmas songs. I'll take a plus one. Continuing this streak of holiday music facts, I have had the Coventry Carol stuck in my head for the last two days. And so I decided to look up a little bit about the Coventry Carol because it's not a Christmas carol that I hear very often. And it's one that I only in the last few years realized was a thing that existed. And so I wanted to know a little bit more about it. And it's actually really interesting. It was originally written for a mystery play in Coventry called The Pageant of the Shearman and the Tailors. And the only reason that we have the Coventry Carol is because in 13... No, in, fift, in 1534, this guy wrote down the play. And he was using much older text. There's references to the play from as early as 1392 onwards and so he wrote down the play and he added some stuff of his own and then the play was continued um to be performed then it was suppressed in the 16th century because of religious changes and then in 1817 this other guy wrote down all of the things that had been written in the first guy's book, which is really good because in the 1800s, the first guy's book was burned, destroyed, and we don't have it anymore. Now all we have is the copy that the second guy made, which, so like, what are the odds of that? The other thing that I learned about it, which I think is interesting, is the mystery play was actually normally performed in the summer. So it wasn't really associated with a Christmas carol until more modern times, specifically after the BBC Empire's broadcast at Christmas in 1940, where they included a singing of the Coventry Carol in the bombed-out ruins of the Coventry Cathedral, because it was shortly after the bombing of Coventry in World War II. So there we go. Yeah. Oh, and the music wasn't added until the 1500s. So lots of people contributed to making this thing a thing that we sing at Christmas. That's a plus two, because I think that was a lot of information. It was really interesting. Oh, so I feel bad I'm going to break the tradition, because I honestly have nothing to share this week. I spent a lot of time just reading technical documentation for a new project I got put on at work. So I don't really have anything to share today. I'm sorry, guys. Corey, tell us a technical fact that the rest of us won't understand. Well, I learned that there is a uh, kind of intermediary language called GraphQL, uh, which for software developers, it's kind of a cool thing because it lets us use JSON to actually query data from a database uh, is kind of like an in-between layer versus writing complex uh, statements. Um, so that kind of a plus one because I'll take a plus one because it helps with my job. Uh, but that's one of the things I had to get up to speed on in the last week or so. Well, let's see what you guys roll. Got an 8 today. You got a 15. Solid 19. That's a 7. I have a 12. Hello world, Carlos here, and I play Marcus Evander, a scout from the Talon Army, who's excited for new adventures. Hi, I'm Allie, and I'm playing Maya Volta, a human cleric of Cain, 
who knows nothing about romance. Hi, I'm Emmy. I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She's a half-elf monk, and she is very ready to get away from the warden. A whole another continent away. I'm Disco, and I play Alice, a radiant Genasi druid, who is going to be with his gaggle of sheep this eve. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. My name's Corey, and I play Kleena Floros, who is a human fighter that's an ex-soldier of the Tauran army, and she wishes she could do horrible things to the warden at the moment. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. Family. Family. A two- or three-syllable word, depending on regional pronunciation. It means many things to different people. Some would use it to describe genetic bonds, while others also use it to describe bonds of companionship, be they bonds of friendship or romance. Each of you have a different perspective on family, for life has offered it differently to each one of you. But it can be agreed that you have all experienced family at least in one shared way, and that is the family of survival, of friendship, the family you create of your immediate companions, the family that has been made by Kalina, Maya, Sylvie, Alice, and Marcus together. A family that has been tried and threatened by recent events, events that could have torn it apart, but have instead brought it closer than ever together. And so it should come as no surprise that you care for Sylvie throughout the night, dividing it into sections so that each of you will be able to sleep. While Sylvie rests fitfully, her body racked by fevers and chills, you must be careful to hydrate and feed her. As each of you will have portions of your shift where you'll be alone with Sylvie, during these, you will have moments to speak, to let out your inner thoughts, to reflect. Maya and Alice, you have the first two shifts. Which one of you will look after Sylvie first, before switching off? Maya had a full day at the office, so she would probably appreciate a little sleep if Alice wouldn't mind taking the first shift. And the first shift Alice shall have. Alice, as you care for Sylvie throughout this first shift, is there anything that goes through your mind or that you'd want to say for her while you care for Sylvie? It is important to note that she is still unconscious. Alice is watching over Sylvie and, of course... He's continuously refreshing a cold cloth for her forehead, um, but he's also uh, angry, and uh, he's thinking of all the different ways he could make sure the furnace is never used for something like this again, including destroying it uh, bit by bit. Um, and he also thinks it might be a good idea after this to perhaps teach Sylvie the Absorb Elements spell uh, to protect her a bit from the flame. Um, and he 
is angry that the warden had decided to go this extra mile to torture Sylvie because of her heritage and who she is on the outside, uh, which he is all too familiar with. So, yeah, that is what Alice is doing. As the few hours that you care for Sylvie alone pass, she rests fitfully. But you eventually trade off with Maya. Maya, you also have this moment, this time to reflect, before you will trade off and sleep. What goes through your mind? I think a lot of things... I think... So Maya is caring for Sylvie as attentively and gently as she can. And as she does that, she feels guilty that she spoke against helping to break Sylvie out of the prison, even though she knows she did it to protect everybody that was left, um, and that it would have been quite likely useless and detrimental to everyone to have tried to break Sylvia out of the furnace. But she's still, seeing how badly injured Sylvia is, she feels very guilty about it. And she also feels relief because Sylvie isn't being punished for anything that Maya did or who Maya is. She's it, it doesn't actually have anything to do with Maya, and she feels a little bit of relief about that. And she, I think, probably a lot of her thoughts dwell on part of the conversation that she had with Silas about how being on Merstwall, even though we're free from the prison as a colonist, you're still not really free and the dangers that there are in forming various kind of attachments, what kind of a risk it is for anybody even to have friends as close as Maya is with her housemates because the warden can and will use anybody against you if she feels that that's going to achieve her ends. And so Maya is also feeling very grateful that soon they will be leaving and they will be freer than they are now and they'll be out from under the shadow of the warden time passes you're able to get a bit of water into sylvie you mash up one of the good berries that alice had created earlier mixing it into the water in hopes that it will give some sustenance and eventually you'll wake Marcus to replace you. Marcus, you have the third shift. Is there anything that goes through Marcus's mind, or that he would want to say? Marcus is trying to keep calm and trying to not let his anger get the best of him. And there is a small seed of regret wondering if he made the right choice in making a deal with the warden. And he is beside Sylvie, and as she's unconscious, he 
just starts to mutter and mumble and then he just starts he sits back and just says you know uh we've been here for a long time and i've uh i've always thought you were somewhat careless you know you just you're so happy and free spirited and uh I'm not like that. And I've a lot of times I've treated you kind of like a child, I suppose. But I guess I'm I, I guess I'm learning a lot about myself and even now I still make a lot of mistakes. So if uh if you're listening deep on in your mind, but I just want to say I'm sorry. Sorry for, I don't even know. You're pretty strong, though. Survive all that stuff you did. And that's all he'll say. Sylvie will mumble a bit in her sleep. She's restless, fitful. But with a gentle hand on her shoulder, you can calm her. Till you need to wake Kalina. Kalina, you will have the last shift. You will greet the dawn at Sylvie's side. Is there anything you'd like to say? Anything that goes through Kalina's mind while she still sleeps? Kalina is extremely angry at the warden uh, and also at herself for not being able to do anything to help. Uh, she tries to imitate what she saw Maya doing earlier and kind of keep her as cool as possible and as comfortable as she thinks can be done, having very little medical knowledge besides a few battlefield tactic or battlefield stitches up. Uh, she kind of paces back and forth next to her and just goes first the shark monster almost getting yourself killed there and now this you've been getting hurt a lot recently if only the warden knew you like I knew you then she wouldn't be so brutal Sorry I wasn't there. Sorry none of us were. Guess none of us really expected this. Hopefully you don't lose that charm after all this. And then she'll continue to pace. And watch over Sylvie for the rest of her time until everyone else is up. A short while later, the rest of you have awakened and you're up. You each nervously check in on Sylvie every few minutes as you go about preparing for the day. The light of soul, it gently illuminates the timbers of your farmstead, silhouetting it into the distance, stretching its long shadow as the light peaks ever so slightly through its sleepy, shuttered windows. Sylvie. You awaken from your slumber. You recognize that you are in your home. 
you are laying in your cot. Your wounds, they still sting, but they appear to have been treated, and you feel much better, but still weak. Your levels of exhaustion are reduced by one, so you have two levels of exhaustion now instead of three. But you are awake, your eyes fluttering open. At this moment in time, no one is in the room with you. But you can hear your friends, your family, getting ready just outside. Well, I suppose I survived at least. Sylvie would kind of mutter to herself and do her best to sit up. Can I have perception checks from everyone except Sylvie? Three. Fourteen. Twelve. That's a dirty twenty. Marcus, from where you are helping breakfast be prepped, or whatever detail or task you are currently doing throughout the house, you think that you hear the creak of a bed from over in the room that Maya, Sylvie, and Kalina share. And what maybe sounds like Sylvie's voice. Very quiet. Everyone, I think, uh, I think Sylvie's awake. We should get in there. Well, thank goodness, yes. I'll just grab a, a fresh jug of water. So, that sounds good. Marcus will head towards the room. Alice follows excitedly. Kalina will follow the two. Maya's not far behind. The cloth that covers, that creates the doorway between the main room of the farmstead and the room that the girls share. It tugs slightly to the side, and Sylvie, you see Marcus's head poke through. Then Alice's. Then Kalina's. And lastly, Maya's. Sylvia's sitting, probably cradling her head, looking very unwell. And she'll just go, oh, Marcus, Alice, Kalina, Maya, I... I'm so glad to see all of you. Glad to see you too. Don't, uh... Don't exert yourself, though. You seem as you've had a bit of a time. We just want you to... Want you to feel better, you know? How do you feel? Like I was dragged through the furnace pretty bad but I'm okay I'm I'm so glad to be here we're glad to have you back would you like some water do you think you could manage some yes I, I think I could sip I don't feel good but water should help I think mm-hmm. what day is it how long was I gone it's been about three days you should definitely rest. You <laughs> have looked better. Hmm, I bet. Does that mean the boat leaves tomorrow? Is that true? We have two more days. Two days to wreak havoc on those who kept you in prison. Would you all believe me if I told you that Lashes helped me? He gave me water and I think he helped me sleep. Sylvie was probably all an illusion. He probably made you think all of that. And he was a jerk, probably. But Alice, he did come to the store to tell me that... To tell us where Sylvie was. It's all manipulation. He is not capable 
of goodness. Obviously, he's expecting something in return. There's no reason, other reason he would do it. We're about to leave, and what could we possibly do for him anyway? Did you all know he started out as a prisoner? I think the warden recruited him because she realized he would be helpful, but he's like us. Really? You sure you heard that right? Yeah, the warden said something about it. I, well, I mean, <laughs> I think I heard. I don't even want to know what she's holding over him to make him do what he does. If, if it's true. Seems so strange. It'd be unusual she'd keep someone from the prison that close. She is awful. Well, I'm sure you all have so much to do to get ready for us leaving. I, I'll just rest and you all should get back to everything else. Sylvie, tell me if you need anything. I'll, I'll be at the store and I can, I can pick up anything you need for the trip. Of course, I, I have, I haven't even really thought about it. Of course not. I guess we'll figure it out. You still have a little time. And we'll help get your tithe up. Warden's expecting it from all of us. I feel useless. I, I hate just sitting in bed, watching everybody else work. Well, the warden better be lucky she's got guards and a prison to separate her from me. Oh, Kalina, I appreciate you so much. Wish I could do more than watch you lay in that bed. I'm uh, glad you're okay. Sylvie. Thank you. I'm I'm glad that everybody else is okay. I'm glad I'm the only one that ended up there. Well, it shouldn't have been any of us. In two days, it won't be anymore. Right. We're gonna get out of here. It'll be better. Hopefully. <gasps> oh my gosh. I also had a vision while I was in there. A, a follower of Ashen came to me, and he... I don't even know. He... I... They told me to set up graveyards and Atsakan. I have a quest from Ashen. Or, uh, yeah, I guess it could have been a dream, but it felt real to be a dream. It sounds like just the thing that Lashes would put in your head to get you to do physical labor once we get there, though, doesn't it? I don't know. Maya, have you ever gotten any kind of quest from, from Kane or anything like that? I just... Well, I, I, I did see Ashen, and he did give me a message that I think was from Kane at the house when I, before I came back to you, when all the souls were, were leaving after we'd freed them. Didn't really understand the message. There were some confusing pieces that I... I think this kind of thing you just sort of have to mm, wait and see until the pieces fall into place, or at least I, I hope that's how it works, because otherwise I'm in big trouble. That makes sense. I think there were some parts of my message I didn't quite understand either, either I think. But we've certainly had a lot of strange things happen to us. I don't see why it, it shouldn't be a message from... Yes, tell us more. Yeah. What did you see, and what is it that you have to do on this divine quest? Oh, well, um, the follower of Ashen, his name was Tenenat. Um, he's like a 
a spirit? I don't know. But he said that I should set up a proclaim guardians of graveyards and set up graveyards on Atsakan? I, I don't know. I, I think I'm... There were... There was a dog. He was a graveyard guardian. Uh, but he was not alive. But he was really cool and really sweet. And and I think... <laughs> I think that also I should set up graveyard guardians in Atsakan. And... I'm really excited. I've never had a big quest like that before. That sounds Does wonderful. that mean that in Atsakan there are no graveyards? Well, there might be graveyards. They just probably aren't dedicated to Ashen. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been. Very curious indeed. The, if they these graveyards that aren't dedicated to Ash, and I wonder who then are they dedicated to, and are there other gods we haven't even heard about? Or, sorry, I'm getting caught up in this. That's such a good question, though, Alice. I'd never really thought about it. I just thought Cain would be everywhere, and, and Ashen, and and Hime, and, and all of them. I I've really thought about the possibility that they might not be in other places on Ebris. Well, I'm sure they're still there. I'm sure there's still aspects and parts of them. I mean, death and life and light is everywhere. They just might not be named the same. Oh, yeah, maybe different languages, different names. That makes sense. It's, uh... There might be just their own individual people or so. My, uh, it seems like my friend is not from here. It seems like she's, uh, over the sea in Atchikan. So, I'm not sure what that means in terms of gods, but. There's probably higher powers being over there, for sure. Great. That also means there's probably fanatics over there, too. Well, we have a lot to do before the ship sails, and I guess now that I'm not smuggling myself on board, I there's some things I should do, too, but... Wait, we aren't smuggling you anymore? Oh, Sylvie! And Maya's gonna pull the paper out of her tunic where she's been keeping it very safe and show it to Sylvie but not taking her hands off of it because she doesn't she really doesn't want to let go of this paper that is her ticket onto the ship look we found this nail to the door I'm I guess I'm going oh well that's fantastic I mean we were never gonna leave you behind but I know what changed I don't know I can't think of anything that would I, I, I really don't know. Kalina will point to Marcus and go, You can thank him for it. He said he did something with... He made a deal with the warden. You made a deal with the warden? For... I... He didn't marry her, though. You married the warden? I... That is... 
That is correct. I did not. No, I did not marry the warden. That is not what happened. <laughs> I'm. I made a trade. Essentially, I just. She likes playing her mind games, and I traded her my most precious possession. Is what she wanted, and that's what I gave her. So she thought it was humorous that I would even attempt to try to, you know, barter. Maya frowns and tries not to look too skeptical because she really doesn't want to call Marcus a liar, but she really can't see the warden trading the crown princess of Amaranth away for something so small. That was so kind of you, Marcus. Well, I'd do anything for my family. Me too. Although, since we're not smuggling Maya anymore, Maya, do you think they could smuggle the swords I got? Oh, I was going to ask you that, Kalina. I think that that's a great idea. I can talk to Nicostratos, and if there's anything else that we think we want on the ship that we don't want the warden to know about, uh, probably not, not too much, but seeing as there'll be a Maya-sized space... Oh, I would like to take my shark skin cloak. I don't know. that. I feel like that's maybe not allowed, but... Mm. You just wear it. I don't know. Do you, I think it might be... I don't know. I could try and line it so it just looks more normal. What about your rapier, Barkus? Are you willing to bring that? Yeah, um, I would like to bring it, absolutely, so we can smuggle that as well. And what about Maya, your shrine to Kane? Or do you want to remake it over there instead? Oh, you're right. There are some pieces here that I've collected that I'd like to bring. I hadn't even thought about them not letting me take that. Well, either way, you need to destroy it before we leave if you're not bringing anything. Yeah. You're right, Kleena. That's smart. I think that's all we need to worry about, right? We have to prepare the tithe as well. Right before we leave? Yep. I can maybe make some crops grow better. Or I don't know. I think I can find some leather at least to contribute as well at the workshop. Some of my odd ends jobs I never got finished. I have some things that I want to pick up at the general store that I think are going to be useful. Or that I hope are going to be useful when we get to the to Azakan, but if there's anything any of you want me to pick up, just let me know. I'm thinking, you know, a waterproof cloak, uh, extra boots, maybe um, another water flask or water skin. I, let me know if there's anything that you think that you'd need. I wouldn't mind getting a short bow and... Maybe some basic survival gear. Are did the warden? Are we even getting anything? Like, are they packing anything for the colonists besides food? Maybe there are supplies on the ship that are there. Yeah, but I don't know if those are for us once we arrive. Maybe they're for the journey. Yeah, I've tried to learn a little bit more about the supplies, but I don't know that the warden is saying much. I mean. Definitely, there's barrels full of nails, and I understand that um, we're going to have handles and, and blades and things for tools like shovels and axes. So, 
they do seem to be planning for us to have some things. Right, well, they want us to set up a whole colony, right? So they must be bringing things to, like, at least try to set something up. So surely we'll have a few things, but who knows how how well everything will be distributed. Huh, we're starting all over again. Yeah. Feels kind of daunting and exhausting. But on the other hand, it will be more ours than any of this is. Everything here is at the pleasure of the warden. But there, we could we could really build something for ourselves. And we're also stronger than yesterday, so don't forget that. Well, I don't feel stronger than yesterday, I'll be honest, but... You should when you're all rested. Yeah, maybe in like a week or two. I'm... I'll get there. Is, uh, is it okay if we, uh, we talk about something? Everyone? Sylvie nods her head. Kalina will eye Marcus. Of course. Of course. I think we got things to do. This, uh, this isn't really that important. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I need everyone's help doing something. Anything, Marcus. What can we do? I need help burying my daughter. I don't, I don't know if I've told y'all this or not, but I had a, I had a little girl back many years ago and I was married and I was still dealing with some things from the war. I was kind of a heavy drinker and one night uh, I drank too much and my daughter was kidnapped. I don't know where she went and I don't necessarily know what took her, but... Marcus. After that, my, me and my wife had a wedge between us. She couldn't forgive me, so she left. And, uh, I don't know, I've just been thinking that this new journey is uh, finally the time I need to say goodbye. And I don't know if you all would help me do that. Of course, Marcus. Of course. I'll help you, but are you sure this is where you want her to rest? Here? We could do a burning or or laying her to rest at sea. Do you know what you want to do, Marcus? I thought about it. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that this is the place where, where I came lost and I finally found a family, my family. And I don't know, I just think that I don't know. I don't know how to say the words, I guess, but... This is where you want to leave your past behind? Have a fresh start? Not just the past, but the pain, the regret, the guilt, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think this is an opportunity for many of us to start a new life with new opportunity and hope and... And in some ways for me anyway, to leave behind the history of who I was and all the feelings that are tied up in that. Yeah. Well, if you can do it, I'm more than happy to help. This was home, but it's time to move on. I understand. As do I. 
we're all in this together. I'm, I'm grateful for each one of you, and I don't say it as much as I should, but, you know, die, almost dying to a, a rug kind of puts life in a new spin. <laughs> that was a joke, so. I don't know when you want to do it, but if y'all want to do the things you need to do, and we can pick it up later. Yeah. What are you wanting from us, Marcus? Just to be with you? To Do you need us to say anything or prepare anything? Y'all don't really have to do anything, I guess, but I don't know. I just, I don't think I can do it on my own yet. And I need the people who I value most by my side. You have all of us. We're, we'll always be here. Thank you. Just a question, though. Do you remember her favorite color? It was green. Green was her favorite color. Well, I'll be ready to help when we're all done. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. We love you, Marcus. I love y'all, too. It is a short while later, but there is a frantic knocking at your door. I'll see who it is. Be right back. Then Kleena will walk over, see who's banging on the door. Maya's going to make doubly sure that her piece of paper is tucked and well hidden in her tunic so that nobody can take it from her, whatever this is. As you slightly open the door... It flies open, and with her black hair trailing behind her, Vanessa Hallingsford is going to jump in to hug you, Kalina, screaming all the while, I get to stay! Uh, uh, and Kalina will, like, hug her back and just be like, well, hold on. Like, kind of push her off, so like, hold on, hold on. What? You push her off, and as you're saying that, she's already moving deeper into the house. She jumps onto Alice, screaming, I get to stay! And then onto Maya, I get to stay! She's left Buttercup. Buttercup is now just, like, sort of half-tugging at Kalina's leg before she also jumps onto Sylvie, definitely jostling you probably a bit more than is good. Oh, I get to stay! At least that's what someone told me! And then she hugs Marcus, and then she turns and she looks at Sylvie, Maya, and Alice and goes, Please read this and make sure that's what it actually says! <laughs> Maya will take the piece of paper and look it over. It is almost the exact same as yours, but inverse. Saying that she will no longer be required on this ship. You note that it doesn't say anything about the next ship or anything like that. But with this, she should not be going to Atsakan, and it is signed under Nycrus, Captain of the Guard. You're right, Vanessa, that is what this says. You don't have to go on th on the Dauntless. Maya, I get to stay, and I get to stay with Buttercup, and I get to keep my baby. <gasps> we should move in together. I can mind the house and take care of some of the animals and make sure everything's going well while you're at oh, the shop I, and taking care of the shop. Uh, no, and we Vanessa live together and everything will be happy and it will be perfect. And, and I, Vanessa, I will do everything I can to make sure that 
Vanessa, if you don't miss everyone as much as I know you will, and she just hugs you. Vanessa, that's, that is such an incredibly sweet offer, but I'm going. They added my name to the list last night, I think. I'm going on the ship. She basically pushes you back with this look on her face that then becomes one of horror. <gasps> Did they replace you with me? They must have realized how useless I would be! <laughs> oh, Vanessa, no. No, I'm sure that's not it. You know, they've added a bunch of new people to the list. I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. You are, um... You are a very valuable member of this community. It, it's so kind of you to say that. <laughs> She'll break into tears. Kalina will walk in holding Buttercup and be like, Well, actually this kind of works out then. We can have someone we trust actually watch over the orphanage. Yeah, and if you want a bigger house, I mean, we won't be here anymore, so... Oh yeah, Buttercup can have her own room. But the sheep are coming with me. You're unsure if Vanessa's heard any of this? She's still bawling. It's after a few minutes of you calming her down that you finally, you restate these ideas. And she looks thoughtful and she'll be happy to uh, move into your house. And that way someone else can move into her place and uh, she'll sort that out with some of the other outstanding members of the community. She's in this state of shock and frenetic excitement all at once. She's very sad that Maya is going, and this plan that she'd worked out that she thought would have been perfect won't. But still, the fact she gets to stay, the fact she gets to be with Buttercup, it means everything to her. Actually, kind of glad you're staying, Vanessa. I was worried about what would happen to the... The orphanage. Not sure if anyone would take care of it with all of us gone. Well, Anastas will still be there. But I did go and check it out. And I... Oh, well, I just... Okay. Plus you get to play with this adorable... You get to stay with this adorable little thing the entire time. And she'll kind of like play with Buttercup. Clean to play with Buttercup for a minute and just be like... And trust me, that will mean the world to her in a few years. Yes. And Vanessa will spend the next while talking with each of you. And with that, each of you will begin to go about your day. Some will work towards the tithe. Others will spend a bit of time on the tithe before they will go off to do other things. Meet with people. Eventually, Maya will leave to go work at the store. It's only open for half the day today, and it won't even be open at all tomorrow. But you'll still be able to get a few things if needed. You have your ways. Alice, what are you going to spend your day doing? So Alice is going to do his best to produce crops to like make them grow. And then I also want to spend a portion of the day 
going to be running uh, drills with his sheep to get them to go to certain formations based on different whistles that he does. And it's not like training them with the whistle. Like he, he talks to them by ritual casting, speak with animals. And he explains what each whistle is for and like how they should like move into certain formations. So in order to expedite transport. Give me an animal handling check with advantage. This is to see if Geneva rebels against you. It'd be a seven. Geneva is having none of it today. She does not want to leave. She knows what you're prepping this for. And she does not want to leave. She doesn't want to leave Merstwall at all. She likes this grass. This grass is nice. But Geneva, you're, you're all alone here. Just you and grass. She munches on the grass, ignoring you. You see her tail dismissively sort of flick to one side. Well, I am not going to force you to change your mind. I am not going to make you do something that you don't want to do, Geneva. If you want to remain here, who am I to tell you that you can? Aside from this small little kerfuffle, the rest of your day will go mostly uneventful. It will pass. Eventually, the other animals, your other sheep, they will convince Geneva that she should come, at least for their sake. And that there might be new and exciting forms of grass to munch on on the other continent. It's just a short hop across the pond. Oh yeah, really easy. Give me a flat d20 to see how well your preparations for the tithe go. You know that it will be collected tonight. It was an 18. They go pretty well. You are definitely able to get some last minute vegetables out. Some last minute things and... You're fairly sure that you will have, so long as some of the others can bring in stuff, that you will have enough for the tithe that's expected. Shifting over to Maya. Maya, you're going to be heading to the general store. You were just talking about things you'd like to have smuggled onto the ship, though. So are you going to try and transport those to the store? Yeah, I guess, because Maya won't be going into work tomorrow, is that right? That is correct. Yeah, she would do it now so that it doesn't look suspicious. Feeling a little uncomfortable because she hasn't discussed this with Nick Stratos yet, but... Worst comes to worst, she can bring it back home and try to think of some other way to smuggle it on board. Are you going to ask anyone in the party to help you, or how do you plan to transport them? It's just three weapons and some small pieces of Maya's shrine, right? And Sylvie's shark skin cloak. Right. You guys didn't actually talk about if you wanted to smuggle on the figurines or if you were going to try and smuggle those on on your persons. That will flash through Maya's mind. Yeah, Maya probably will have asked the others if they would like to hand over their figurines to be smuggled. Clea would have definitely been like, oh yeah, and agreed. Yeah, the sheep must come. Yeah, Sylvie's figurine is wrapped up in her cloak, so she would have 
been like, yeah, take both, for sure. <gasps> oh, all of my cards that I got from the house. Those seem important. Those should go too. Does anybody in the family make things that are sold at the general store? Like, are does the general store sell animal furs or maybe some of Alice's sewing? Or Oh, the general store does sell some of Alice's products, right? They do. Okay. So Maya is going to ask Alice for, like, mittens and, like, whatever, whatever odds and ends he has created and kind of put them put everything in a in a basket or something and put that stuff on top to make it look like it's just a load of Alice's stuff that's being carried to the general store for sale. Yes, and Alice is going to specifically choose the ugliest things that he's made <laughs> to like make sure that like no one like wants to buy them or anything like that. Oh, smart, very smart. And then if anybody would like to help my carry it but she, her, she's not totally unstrong. Kalina would offer, especially wanting them to be close to the swords until she knows for sure whether he can smuggle them or not. For sure. Yeah, that, that totally works. Cass, can I help in the transportation if I was doing the other stuff? Oh, you could definitely help. I will help. The three of us can head to the general store together. While the three of you are heading to the general store, I'll note that Vanessa has is staying with Sylvie for this brief period of time while you are out. Because I think Marcus also plans to head out, but in a different direction than the general store. This is true. For the three of you, transporting goods to be smuggled. Can I please have a deception check? But can this be an intelligence deception check? As you create this bundle and hide its contents. 17 for Alice. I got a 7. 18 from Maya. Maya and Alice are able to hide it away and correct some of the things that Kalina does. Kalina, you tried to uncover it enough so that you'd be able to quickly draw your swords if anyone attempted to try and take some them from you. Maya and Alice quickly convinced you that that was probably not the best route with the fact you're trying to smuggle them and not get them found. And with that, the three of you will head out. You take a quick walk down the lane until you reach the blue general store. Can I just say, on the way, Maya would definitely do her usual very cheery greeting for Petros and I assume she gets the usual grumpy monosyllabic response. Petros is actually not out. <gasps> you can hear the sound of him working away inside his shop, but he's not out at the front side of the fort. Hmm. Okay, too bad. I should note regarding Petros, that he has not shown up in the past two days. Hmm. Maybe Maya needs to approach him. Well, perhaps she'll stop in on her way after work. There is one tense moment near the door to the shop. There are a couple guards that have come to collect some last-minute requisitioned goods. You are going to need to pass closely by them. 
Is there anything you're going to do differently? Or are you just going to trust your skills and obfuscation? I think as we're heading through the door, Maya's going to be saying to Alice, Well, you know, I really don't know if any of these are going to sell before we leave, because the store will be closed tomorrow. But we can put them on the shelves and see what happens. I'm sure many people need supplies before they got on the ship, so perhaps there will be some last-minute purchases. Providing that extra little bit of cover explanation for why the, uh, the basket is being brought into the store. Hopefully in a very natural way. Kalina is just trying to not draw attention. <laughs> we'll use Maya's earlier de uh, deception check for this. The guards, they seem too busy focusing on the other things pieces they are trying to transport out to extricate while people are attempting to barter and buy all around it seems that ambrose and nicostratus are very busy and the store is quite bare a lot of things have been bought out or taken you're going to need to whisk these into the back quite quickly before someone attempts to grab something would it be inappropriate for Maya to direct Kalina and Alice to put the basket down in the back? Or does Maya need to carry it there herself? As long as you're with them and have opened the door for them, you could definitely get them to do it for her. Yeah, Maya will have them quickly drop it and then shoo them out of the back and, you know, grab her apron, put it on and be heading into the store to, to start her day's work and wait for an opportunity to talk to Nicostratos. And with that... You are all successful in transporting these goods. No one's noticed. But hopefully Maya gets to mention something before Ambrose or Nicostratus go into the back. Yeah, Maya will be definitely keeping an eye out to see if any of them head in that direction so that she can head them off and avoid any kind of disaster. And with that, Alice, I assume you'll head back to the farmstead and you'll begin training and working with the crops I Kalina do you plan to go and purchase something or swing by anywhere Kalina would like to see if there's any green ribbons or some fabric to make like a green ribbon give me a flat d20 roll a luck check come on dice four Unfortunately, it does not seem like there is anything here in the blue general store. There might be at the yellow general store, though. Heaven forbid! Will you go check to see if there's something at Maya's competitor? Where her doppelganger, the horrendous Gretchen Thornberry, works? Yep, Kalina will be a little bit irritated, like... <sighs> Man, I thought they'd have some. And then reluctantly we'll go over there and try and find the same thing there. The yellow general store is, like the blue general store, quite bare. It has very few objects, but it does have a bit more selection. And, as it has it, you do find a green ribbon. <sighs> Perfect. Uh, she will take that up take it up to the counter and try and purchase it. How much money does Kalina have at this time? Or what is Kalina wanting to barter for it? 
doesn't have much for bartering. 40 silver, though, as far as currency. You recognize that it is definitely a gouge, but they are offering to sell it for six silver. Ugh, daylight robbery! This is why you hate the Yellow General Store. You're fairly sure if you weren't friends with Maya, you might have gotten a better deal. Kalina will grumble a little, but pay the six silver for it. Gretchen Thornbury cackles as she takes your money. Be lucky I need it, and then she'll walk out. You can always come back for anything else you need. Kalina will flip her off and then walk on. Have a pleasant day! This is where I frantically check to make sure that we are leaving this annoying person behind. Drumroll, please. I do not see her on the list. Good news. So I'm assuming we have, like, a leather shop somewhere. A tannery somewhere. Because she's done leather armor repairs. Or small leather work occasionally. One of the tanneries is owned by Tulmar Mist. You'll remember him from the very first episode in Marcus's first vignette scene. He is missing his left hand and runs the tannery down there and he is also going on the ship with you guys. So that would be Kalina's first stop after that, after the Yellow General store experience. You are definitely able to stop there. It's down by the hatchery, right next to the river. And only a short ways away, actually, from the bridge. The stone bridge that was struck by lightning. The one that crumbled and kept you locked on the other side of Merswell. When Kalina sees the bridge, she'll stop for a moment and stare at where the bridge used to be and then back up where the house used to be. <sighs> it was only a few days ago. And then she'll continue on to the tannery. You continue on to the tannery. Long before you reach it, you smell it. The unwanted stench of urine and feces, of rotting flesh, that mark this location as Merstwall's largest tannery. Outside, you can see at various tables that Tolmar's apprentice is frantically finishing the trimming of a few hides. Beside him, there lies a pile of discarded flesh, hooves, and horns. Another apprentice, a small ways away, washes trimmed hides in the river. A river you know has been filled with blood before. And inside, beside a small fire, one that is beneath a chimney, a circular chimney, in the center of the room. Tulmar sits. He appears to be working away on one of the hides. You know that in the past you've brought hides here. Give me a flat d20 
to see if you have any tides here that have been being treated or finished off. I got a 12. You have one. It's not a very big one, but it is one. I guess it's better than nothing. Um, Hey, Tomar, got any, uh, need an extra set of hands for anything? He grunts and motions you over. You know he's never been one that to talk too much. But he looks like he's very deep in thought. He motions you over to a chair, and you can see that he besides him has a couple other hides that have been pulled tight across wooden frames that look like they need to be worked on. Would you like to spend the rest of your day helping out here? She would. And with that, you can. Tolmar is thankful for the help. And with that, you will spend the rest of the day until it begins to get closer to the time that you know you should head back. Helping. Marcus. I know that you were planning after this morning to head out and attempt to find an old friend. Is this still what Marcus plans to do? That is correct. About the same time that Kalina and Alice and Maya head out, you leave behind Sylvie with Vanessa. You head in a similar direction as the three for the first bit before you break off and away, heading towards the familiar hatchet, but not to the fighting ring there. Attached to the familiar hatchet is a smaller room, a normal tap house, one that does not also serve as a fight ring, one that those who are not inclined to the violence of the fights might attend instead. And it is here that Marcus can find his friend Amelia Harrowsford, a tavern worker and friend that you've made over you the past few years since your release from Vesican prison. Amelia is a half-elf. She's older than Sylvie. Old enough that Marcus isn't exactly sure how old she is as she always sidesteps the question. But she does appear to be in her mid-thirties, with dirty blonde hair drawn back into two braids, and skin with a closer brownish tint and a slight green around the eyes. As you come in and settle yourself at a table, she swings by with a grin and then plops herself down in a seat. She can spare a few moments. Hey, how's it, how's it going? How you doing? She sort of inclines her head a bit, looks at you. How do you think it's going? How do you think I'm going to be? A hundred people in the colony are going? In six months? Another four hundred? It's going to be a ghost town here. How am I going to make any money? And my best customer, she leans across and punches you in the shoulder, is leaving me too. Yeah, I, I, I get that for sure. Uh, the good thing is, there's always going to be prisoners. There's always going to be colonists. It's probably rough for you for a while, but 
I know you'll make it. Maybe I'll be on the next ship. Maybe. Thanks for uh, sitting down. I appreciate that. Uh, she gestures to the empty bar around you. Does it look like I have anyone else here? But no. I definitely sit down for you. Thank you all the same. I kind of wanted to apologize to you. She raises one eyebrow inquisitively. Don't go all soft on me now. <laughs> well, sometimes you can't change who you are on the inside, no matter how much the world kicks you down. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just wanted to say sorry because I haven't really honest with you about... Her eyebrow goes up even more, if possible, and her left ear twitches slightly. You know, I've known you for a while, and I've been kind of stuck in a lot of different things in my past, and, uh... Marcus. Marcus. You came from a small town. You joined the army. You had a hell of a time from what you've told me. And everything with your family. I'm sure you haven't told me all of it. But the fact that you even had one means that it's painful. Hell, I know I miss my parents. To be honest, they're probably dead. Here at, in a lot of different ways. But I, I also have been brave enough to tell you how I feel. And I've kind of suppressed a lot of feelings I had for you over the years I'm not really good at saying these things and uh she's gonna hold up a hand Marcus you're about to leave so whatever comes out of those pretty lips of yours it better be good if ever I see you again I'll be sure to ask for a dance this time. Have you seen these hips? A time or two, yeah. She holds out her hand. Over the table to you. How about a dance now? And the next time, I can see how much you've improved. Because there will be a next time. Well, uh, any improvement from none to something is a good improvement, I think, so. Will you take her hand? I will. She will pull you into a local folk dance from the south. And you've always known that she had a little bit of magic in her. You can almost think that you can hear music just at the edge. And while the two of you dance... She talks about the places she's been. She reveals a bit more than you've known about her in the past. She was born on the border of Ulceram and Eltharad in northern Aventai. Another place where there's war between elves and humans. Half-elves, 
they have it rough. Be they from the north or the south. She talks about how she wandered. How she's been all different places. From the Trolted Fjords. To the edge of the Blight Scar. She was even part of a caravan that went through the Orestian Badlands. She's seen the City of the Sun. She's walked through the streets of the library city of Ventor. But she hopes, she hopes that whatever adventures she has had, that you'll go to adventures in Atsakan, and that you'll save some for her when she can come join you. And with that, Whatever else happens between the two of you, it's up for you to decide. The rest of your afternoon and day will pass, unless there's things you'd like to do. A few customers will come in, but in between them, she'll sit and talk with you. Honesty is important. I think that Marcus would just divulge everything about his life and what he's done. And and he'll just remember a time where he felt like this before and a realization that his wife is his ex-wife and that whatever he feels towards her is not what it used to be, but of non-closure. And for the first time in many, many years, he'll smile. And with that... Are there any other preparations you'd like to make for your planned funeral for your daughter? I think Marcus would just, once he leaves the tavern, he would go and he's just going to do something really simple. So he's going to take two pieces of wood and spend some time shaving those down and making them somewhat presentable. And that's what he's going to use to basically build a little... I wouldn't know if they do crosses. What would, what would be an appropriate... I guess what would be an appropriate uh, memorial fixture? Well, what god did your family focus mainly on worship? Or were you, like most peasants, it really was each month focusing on a different god and whatever the town priest or cleric wanted to talk about? Let's go Hime. For Hime, rather than it being a cross, probably what you'd have is a plank of wood that just goes up with a name that you might inscribe into it, and then a piece of wood at the bottom, perpendicular, like a bit above the ground, so that you'd be able to put candles on it. And that is what it shall be. And that is what it shall be, then. Marcus will spend the rest of his day prepping that. Sylvie, moving to you and Vanessa. Vanessa has puttered back and forth. She's helping take care of you. She offers that if there's anyone or anywhere you'd like to go, that she'd happily help you get there. Gosh, well, I would 
really like to go and talk to Petra. I would hate to leave and not get to say goodbye to her. Oh, I'd be very happy to help you. Yes. Let's just get an extra shawl to wrap around you because we need you to stay warm. Can, should we get you a snack first? She will fret over you like a mother hen. I'm sure it's fine. I'm, I'm sure Lena has snacks and we should just get going. Then with that, you'll be able to walk partly on your own, partly leaning on Vanessa. You also probably are leaning on your quarterstaff as you go. Your walking stick. And you will calmly and slowly make your way to Petra's home. Its weathered beams and slanted roof are nestled amongst newer buildings. As you knock on the front door, Vanessa says that she'll wait outside. She'll just pop off and do a couple small errands, and then she'll be back, hopefully by the time you're done. And as she finishes that, you hear Petra's voice call out from within. Come in. The door is open. Sylvie will walk into the house and go find Petra wherever she's at. As always, the herbal and floral scents cascade from the sitting room into the hall. Some you recognize, others you do not. But you turn, knocking on the doorframe before entering Petra's sitting room, and are slightly shocked by what you see. A small pot already boils on the hearth, and two clay drinking jars sit on the small table by the fire, while two rocking chairs frame them. But the remainder of the room is in a state of slight disarray, of organized chaos, of packing. Petra does not sit in her chair on the left, as she always does. Rather, she gracefully moves about the room, as if a weight has been lifted, a weight that rested on her shoulders for many years. You see her gray hair is drawn back into a tight braid, and she stands by a shelf packing a few things away carefully into a wooden trunk, before she turns towards you. Oh, hello, Sylvie. It's so nice to see you. Petra looks the best you've ever seen her 96-year-old human form look. There is color in her cheeks, and she clearly has energy. Would you like some tea? She offers as she crosses to pour you a cup. Petra, you look amazing. I, I would love some tea. You look so well. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. She pours you the cup of tea and hands it to you, and she offers you a chair. So, to what do I owe the pleasure of your visit? I had to come say goodbye. We're leaving so soon, and and I just I wanted to tell you that we defeated the monster. I don't think he'll be back anytime soon. Thank you. I knew something happened, but not what. I awoke on the 10th, and I thought I was dying. I saw her face. 
I saw my Siandra. She leaned over my bed and gently kissed me. She told me it was over, and that she'd wait for me on the other side. Wait so we could be reborn again together. You see that tears are gathering in the corner of her eyes as she opens her arms as if to hug you for the deeds that you have done. There were a lot of spirits trapped in the house. I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to help. Are you sad to be leaving this place? I know you're moving. She puts her hand out. Leans it. And leans against one of the walls. I built this place with my own two hands. I built this for us. But now she's waiting for me. I used to think of this place as my connection to her. She holds her hand over her heart. But she's here. She'll always be here. Waiting for me. Are you all right? You don't look very good. You know, I had terrible nightmares before Siandra came. Nightmares of darkness and blood. I think they were of the monster that you said. It stalked people through decrepit halls of that house. Are all of you okay? Did someone die? You look like you might have died and come back. It has been a rough couple of days. I am a little worse for wear, but we did all make it out of the house. Not completely unscathed, but... And I guess Maya was... Well, we were worried we had lost her for a little while, but... We're all okay. We all made it home. Your Amaranthi friend, right? Yes. I'm glad everyone's alright. Drink up, drink up. You look like you need it. Give me a moment. Let me see if I have anything to nibble on. Petra heads out of the room. And you hear her shuffling around a bit. and She comes back and she has a few small things. A, a little bit of hard cheese. A sausage and some little hard biscuits. That you'll need to dunk in your tea to soften. This is great. Thank you. I'm going to miss you so much when we leave. I'm excited to go and see a new place, though. I think we have a lot to do. I'm sure that you do. And I will miss you, too. I'll miss both of you. She looks thoughtfully upstairs, as if looking towards where Lena's room is. It will be very different without Lena here, and without you coming to visit, who will I get my teas from? <laughs> she laughs a bit. 
One moment. A thoughtful look comes across Petra's face, and she crosses to a door off the sitting room that you know goes to her current bedroom. She was moved down to the main floor when the stairs became too much for her in her elderly age. You hear her shuffling steps for a few moments before she returns with a small book in hand. I'd like you to have this. It was Siandra's. I never told you, but you and Siandra, you're actually quite similar. Just like you, she cared for those around her. Be they beast or human, half-elf or no, halfling or genasi. She always would help, but when she could not, she knew the meaning of prayer. As you turn the book over in your hands, you see that it is titled Psalms and Teachings of the Patient One. The Patient One is an epithet of Ashen, Lord of the Dead, and the god that Sylvie worships. Petra continues. She, she was always saddened at the loss of a life. And so, in her younger years, she had learned of Ashen's teachings. I myself didn't have time for her talks when we were alive. I wanted to live in the moment with her. But after she was taken from me, this book was one of the few things I had to remember her by. It helped me move through my grief, to understand her passing to see my way forward. I want you to have this book, to remember me, and I'm sure Siandra would want you to have it too. Oh, it's wonderful, thank you. I will treasure it forever. I have marked a few of my favorite passages and hymns. I hope that they can help you on your journeys. I particularly like the one that teaches about love and grief. That it is okay to love and to grieve. Did you know that Ashen was so compassionate that he decreed that one of his servants would watch over those that grieve? to collect them if they die of a broken heart. I certainly didn't know that until I read these teachings. And for the longest time, I expected one day to wake up and look into Tananat's face. Collecting those who have lost someone they love must certainly, must certainly be a better job than the other half of his duties. Collecting those that fall to catastrophe and heralding the coming of disaster. But I'm prattling on. She pats your arm. I hope you will read it. In a way, it will be just like if Siandra were speaking to you. She left notes in the margins. Notes for what psalms and teachings were applicable when burying the dead. Differences for halflings, humans, elves, and gnomes. 
even differences for animals. Thank you. I... I don't know what to say. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sylvie. I do doubt that I'll ever see you again. But I have a feeling you will do great things. You're destined for so much more than this place. I know you must think I'm just an old lady. But it is the duty of the old to help those younger than them move forward. To help them become better. To grow. To learn. To change. And I know you will be better. Thank you. And with that, the rest of your visit will pass uneventfully as you drink your tea and eat. Before Vanessa arrives back, you'll help Petra pack a few little bits. Before, alongside Vanessa, you slowly make your way back to the farmstead and to your found family. Maya, your shift at the Blue General Store has ended. You've double-checked with Nicostratus about the crate that will contain your weapons and magical items, and you have a few hours before Marcus plans to lay his daughter's memory to rest. I should also note, you used an extended lunch earlier in the day to track down the items on your list that could not be obtained from the general store. Now, what would you like to do? Well, first of all, I'm very glad that those items that I sought on my lunch break were available. But now that my work day is done, I think Maya is running out of time to go on her walk with Petro. So she is going to stop by the blacksmith shop. You make your way from the Blue General Store, and you head towards his smithy. As you approach Petro's smithy, you find it curiously quiet, even quieter than earlier today. You do not hear the sound of his hammer upon metal, nor the sizzling hiss as metal is rapidly cooled, nor even the sound of him puttering about further back. Are you going to hang around till Petros comes back? Look around? Head home. Knock on the door, because he, he lives here, right? Maybe he's just done work for the day. So I'll knock on the door. There is no answer to the knock. Does this smithy have windows? So the front portion of the smithy, where there's the forge and such, you're able to easily look around there. His more living areas... If it was peeking into the shop, that's one thing. She does not want to go poking about his his personal quarters. So she'll just, I guess, kind of shrug and carry on. She knows she's going to be on the ship, so there'll be plenty of time to see him on the voyage. No need to worry. On my way home, can I check the board to see if anybody else's names have been swapped? Or if it's just Maya and Vanessa? Looking over the list, you're fairly confident that it does not appear any names have been swapped. To be honest, Vanessa's name is still up there. And yours is not. Maya feels in her jacket to make sure her paper's there, and 
is reassured that, <laughs> that she does have some proof and just feels like something very strange is going on, continues to feel a little bit suspicious of Marcus's explanation that really doesn't make sense to her, but at the same time, she doesn't really know why Marcus would lie. Or what he would have that the warden would want. So there's, some, there's something strange going on, but she has no idea what it is. Anyway, she continues on home. As you walk home, the sea breeze whispers past you, casting the scents of mid-altor all about. You cannot help but remember that in less than two days' time, on the 16th of Altor, will be the Equinox of Bounty. A time when back in Amaranth you would attend harvest festivals, and give homage to all the gods beneath Cain that graced your kingdom with this bounty. Instead, this year the Dauntless will leave, and in many ways... You will leave the last six years of your life behind you. How does remembering this make you feel? How is it juxtaposed with the knowledge of your new exile to Atsakan? I think there's probably always a little pang of sadness for Maya when she realizes she's missing... That everyone, I guess, is missing things that would have happened in Amaranth but don't happen anymore. Or, you know, maybe they happen under the usurper. But that's another... Another... Whatever. So she... She probably does feel a little bit sad. Thinking that if things hadn't changed, that's what she would be doing. Then her thoughts probably turn to Atsakan in a more positive way. Because it's a... An opportunity for her... An unexpected opportunity for her to be able to actually get away from... Talren. And I think she might be wondering what, if any, kind of service there will be on the Dauntless, given that we're leaving on that very day. That's something I imagine the colonists normally would market in their, according to their own religious traditions. Obviously not all of them being represented. As those thoughts jumble about within your mind... You come over a slight rise. Your farmstead is still a good ten minutes away, but lo and behold, you see a familiar, gruff exterior walking towards you. Petros Floros, the blacksmith who owes you a walk, the blacksmith who was not home. His dirty blonde hair is pulled back, and he is not wearing his smith's apron. As you near him, he clearly sees you. You weren't at your work. N neither were you. You weren't at your house. Neither were you. I, I stopped by after work to see you. A slight blush comes to his cheeks, paler than the olive native to those from southern Aventai, as he sheepishly adds, I live and work in the same place. That's true. I had less of a trip to make. I was hoping that you'd have time for a walk. This ship sets sails soon, and I, I did promise one before it goes. He nods. Well, um, where would you like to walk to? He just starts walking. Maya will fall into step beside him. So, you've been very busy? 
Yup. Still making nails or uh, something else? Nails, bands, heads. Mostly stocking up on nails. His eyes are forward. I was thinking, why did this guy want to go on this walk, and why on earth did I agree to it? He never says anything. Uh, well, she's going to fall back on an old standard. The weather sure is nice today. You can't be sure if it's a trick of the light. Or if maybe a little grit got in your eyes. But for a briefest moment, you thought the side of his mouth twitched up into a smile. Oh my, that's unheard of. Must have been in Maya's imagination. She waits for his customary grunt or growl of acknowledgement. He sticks out a bundle towards you. He motions it towards you as if you're meant to take it. The bundle is small, and it's wrapped in cloth. Th this is for me? I also made this. Oh! Okay, Maya's going to take it and unwrap it. As you unwrap the bundle, you find within it a dagger. The blade has clearly been crafted with care, and there is a slight patina to the metal, almost reminiscent of waves. The hilt has been carved from animal bone, or possibly antler, with looping knotwork. The knotwork is very clearly not native to Southern Aventai. Oh, it's... It's beautiful. Did it take you very long? Petros stops as he was walking. Maya stops too. He squirms a bit as he sort of stands there, staring at his feet. Well, it's it's lovely. What's it for? Miss Maya. My father always told me that if you fancy a girl, you should give them a knife. Just like our ancestors so that they know you see them as an equal. Uh, I want you to know that I fancy you. You are smart and good with numbers. You are very pretty and well-versed in the ways of the Triadrian. And you see him make the sign of the Triadrian. May they watch over us and rain blessings upon us always, which my mother always said was good for the household. And I think that we would make a fine match. Uh, um... I would like to marry you and then you can come to Atsakin. Oh! I... Um... Wow! I... I had no idea. I... Um... I, you, you, you never really uh, say anything to me, so I... I didn't even... I kind of thought that maybe I was annoying you, and well, I guess that's not the case um but i i don't really oh you could never annoy me miss maya oh um your greetings about the weather are the favorite part of my routine oh that's so sweet petros i um then she looks at the dagger in her hand and remembers that there's there's serious business here to be discussed I, uh, how do I, how do I say this? I, uh... I as in yes? Uh, where I'm from, you know, a marriage is, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's arranged and you don't have, have a choice about it. And, uh, I've never really, uh, thought about 
me uh, getting married. Um, and I'm not, sh I don't, uh, I don't really know. I never, I don't have, I don't, uh, I don't know what I, I don't know what I think. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what do you want out of it? Um, where I'm from, it's, it's like, uh, you cement your power with, with marriage, but I, I don't have any power. And, or you have heirs, but I don't have anything for them to inherit. So I, uh, um, she just like looks completely flustered and out of her element. This is absolutely the last thing on Ibris that she would have imagined anybody saying to her. And she honestly has never thought about getting married. You see that he is definitely, he seems a bit more shaken than you'd expect. Oh. Oh dear. As if he had hoped it would just be a yes. Well, that would have been easy, wouldn't it? But it clearly isn't. You see him thinking, he's like, well, you're very smart. You work in the general store. I... I'm a blacksmith by trade. And a blacksmith is always needed. So... I can bring to the marriage a staple job and a position of some prestige. Especially in a small town, starting out in a new place. And you're always very happy. You're smart. You have a good head on your shoulders. My mother always said that a girl that knows the gods is a girl for me. Uh, I I have uh, no doubt that you would be a, a wonderful husband, but I I don't um, really know you, which isn't to say that I, I, I wouldn't want to marry you, but I, I think I would want to know you better because you know it, it seems to me that uh well um being the where where we are and, and not leading the lives that we used to lead maybe um our options are more open to us than they they used to be i you know i'm obviously not uh, uh my parents didn't arrange a marriage for me so here i am uh not having um any idea what i'm doing now right now um uh, and so you know I, I think that we should uh, uh, uh get to know each other because all all i all i know about you is that i thought that i annoyed you and, and it turns out I, I don't annoy you and um um it, uh if we were gonna get married i think i'd want i'd want i'd want to know you a little better My mother, she was a weaponsmith. My father, he was an armorsmith. Oh, so so you, you come by your calling naturally, then? Yes. They both worked up in the Alliance before coming back down to tell Ren. That's quite far north, isn't it? Yes, 
across the sea of shattered sky. And further north than that. I was born in Ventor. I was... And he, he turns over his arms so you can see his brand and there's a stylized T. I was accused of theft. I was apprenticed to a, a silversmith and one of the other apprentices there didn't like that I was excelling faster than him and I'm fairly certain that he framed me. Oh, that's terrible. I'm afraid too many of us are here for things we didn't do. What else would you like to know? Um, well, I, uh, um, you know, I I think that, uh, Maya's trying to find, like, a really polite way to say, I can't get just, can't just get to know you in the next five minutes and then decide to marry you. How do I put this delicately? Well, we don't have much time, and... I'd like you to know me if you think you'll say yes, because once I'm gone, well, we can't get married. Oh, oh, oh um, oh, uh, uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going on the, I, I'm going on the ship too. He pales. He goes as white as a sheep. Are you okay? Do you not feel well? I worked up my courage to ask you, because I never thought I would see you again. And oh. now you're coming. And this, like, look of, in almost some ways, abject horror comes over his face that he has admitted these feelings to you. This poor man. Oh, this poor man. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. You wanted to marry me and spend the rest of our lives together, so isn't it a, a good thing that I'm coming on the ship? But I, I could have gotten you to know me better, and then maybe you would have said yes on the first time. Oh, that's very true. But, you know, just, um... You know, I I, th- I think I think there's different ways to look at these things, and 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 I'm not saying, uh, no, never. I don't like you. We could never be together. I'm just saying, oh, why? I don't really know you well enough to say yes or no. Um, and then you know, I hadn't really expected to go on the ship, and so there's going to Atsakan just changes so many things, and. Well, here on the island, I... Before I came, I had a lot, a lot, of, a lot of responsibility, and I, I was thinking about other people and, and not, not about me. And so I, I never really thought about um, what I would do if I was in charge of my own destiny. And then here on the island, the, the warden... It makes it very difficult to have any kind of connections and even having friends are, well, somewhat of a liability. Relationship, a romantic relationship is just out, out of the question because, you know, they could... 
well, the warden would just love to use that kind of thing against me, but I, so I just, I've never, I've never really, really given any thought to, um, I've never, I've never, uh, ha- had a relationship or, th- or thought about having a relationship or going to Atsakan, you know, we'll be away from the warden and away from Telren, and so, you know, maybe these things are possible, but but I'd never even um, considered them until just just now, when you uh, very, very nicely, very, very wonderfully um, asked me to marry you. I just, it, I, 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 I didn't expect it, and I, I'd, I'd never. Nobody's ever asked me before. I'd, I've never really. I've just never thought about it. Oh. You never thought that you would be able to hear so much emotion in a single syllable? What do I get out of this one syllable? There's defeat. There's regret. There's hope. There's confusion. There's the almost the idea of not really knowing what to say anymore. Uh, would, would, would you like... Would you like the dagger back? It's very beautiful. But I feel like if I'm not saying yes, then maybe... No, 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 no. Keep it. It's a good... It's a, it's a good blade. And I made it for you. And... I hope that on Atsuken, we will get to know each other better. But if if we can't, or if, if there's not enough time... You can think of that dagger. I hope that it serves you well. Oh, um, thank you. And I, you know, I, I really do want to get to know you better. I, I've seen you every day for, I don't know how long. And, um, I never thought you wanted to talk to me. So I, I never, well, I used to try to stay and talk, but you didn't seem interested. So then, so then I just... Stopped. I just didn't know what to say. Oh. Well. That's alright. We, 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 can, we can start getting to know each other now. And, um, uh, for example, m- maybe you'd like to tell me what you, uh, what you want to do when you're on Atsakan. We'll, we'll be there for a while. Do you, do you have, um, plans? Every day is going to be busy. A blacksmith is always needed. We need to help repair things. Make new nails. But, of course, first we're going to need to find a good source of local iron. Or an- another metal, if if there isn't any good iron there. He's sort of playing with his hands nervously as he's talking. But... What I'm really hoping is that, you know, as I said, my mom, she was she was a weaponsmith. My dad, he was an armorsmith. And really, I'd like to be able to make some beautiful weapons and, and armor like them. Uh, but I've never had the opportunity. And maybe I'll make rings for 
one that's um, uh, getting married, and um, he's just so cute. And um, well, if so long as everything's still good there, and we're able to have a good life, and it's not like you could die any random day, then I I'd like to stay on Atsukan. I want to live my life there. I want to I want to be on the edge of something new. Oh, as my mom, my dad, they're they're both dead, so I don't have anything behind me. But uh, just the world in front of me. I have to admit, the thought of staying has crossed my mind. I, well, obviously don't want to go back to tell Ren. And I don't think there's anything left in Amaranth for me. I suppose one new place is just as good as another. Oh, to turn the dagger over so that Look at the base of the hill. Oh, Maya will do that. Inspecting the base of the hilt of the dagger, you can see carved into the bone or antler there is a small little amaranth. The flower. Oh! I might not say much, but I do. I, I'm a good listener. Oh! Maya is gonna, like, go as if to hug him, but then kind of be like, oh, I don't think he likes hugs, but wait, no, and also it might be awkward because I'm not marrying him, and I don't, I don't know how to relationship, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and she's just gonna kind of carefully hold it to herself and say, this is, this is so beautiful, I haven't seen that flower in so long. Thank you. Thank you so much. I talked with a few of the older ladies in town, and glad that I did carve the right one. There were two different camps on what it actually looked like. Oh, either way, the thought is just so beautiful. Thank you for that. That's... that really means a lot to me. That's a really beautiful thing that you've done. Thank you. Well, this has been a nice walk. Uh, yes, it's been lovely. Or a, a nice standing still. Um, and he'll start walking again. Oh, uh, Maya will start walking beside him, I guess. Uh, I was, I was gonna say that we should, uh, go for another walk, but, um, but, but we'll be on the ship, so, uh, Perhaps, uh, uh, well, I, we, I, I don't really know exactly, uh, what the plan is on the ship, or if we're going to be allowed above decks, or if it's going to be another awful voyage like the one here. I really hate sailing. Well, I, I heard, I, I was fixing up some of the bits for the ship, uh, making some new sharding for the base of the mast and such and I heard and I did see that they've got a nice large area down in the hold of the ship and part of it's being taken up by say livestock and crates and supplies 
It's also being in the storage. And then they're going to have the rest of all of all the people, all, 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 all of us down there as well. But that there was some discussion going on in the back while I was there that they're once they're out to sea, because none of us can really do much. And once we're going into the mist wall, it's not like we can take the ship over and turn it around. They're going to put us to work. Oh, well, as much as I hate sailing, it will at least be a relief not to be chained below the deck. I hope that we're on the, the, the same work crew. That would be nice. I don't really know what kinds of ship sailing skills I, I have. I only have, you know, experience on the fishing boats, which are, are very small in comparison, but... But I, I do hope that we'll have uh, some time to get to know one another better, and you know, if not, if not the work detail, then I'm hoping that we'll have some some quieter times that we can visit with our friends, and uh, we can make the most of that. He gives you a a curt nod. I would like that too, but um, I should get going. Oh, um, all right, well, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll head home then. It was, um, uh, very nice getting to know you a little better. And you, your gift is beautiful, and, and you've paid me a wonderful compliment by, by asking me, and I, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm flattered and, and grateful, and I, I should be going too. And he awkwardly turns and leaves, walking in the other direction. Does Maya glance back at him? Does she even start walking, or does she just stand there, staring as tumbleweeds roll by? I mean, probably that, because I don't think she's ready to go home and, like, pretend that she's a normal person. You lean against a fence, the small little flowers at its base. They sway in the breeze. And somewhere, perhaps not on Merstwall, a tumbleweed most certainly does roll by. Marcus, you've completed your construction. Kalina, with your ribbon in hand and your work, helping out Talmar Mist finished. Sylvie, having returned to the homestead. And Maya recently come back from a walk. And Alice, having put the animals into the barn, or into their pens, you have all returned home. Marcus would ask everyone to meet him outside. Maya would definitely do that. So we would probably ask for some help, maybe from Kalina to get outside. Yep, Kalina would. Walk slowly with Sylvie out. I mean, I could do it. I just, I don't want to be. No, you have got to stop pushing yourself. It'll be fine. Marcus will stand with his crude creation and just look to his friends and say, Is there a, is there a place you think would be good? Near our home? Maybe under a tree or something? 
wherever you feel is right. Maybe, I'm sure there's plenty of places on our property. Yeah, Marcus would just want to find this one lone tree that kind of is away from the rest of the forest. Kind of this one lone oak, let's say. Marcus will lead everyone there. And once he gets there, he'll place his memorial down. And he'll just look at everyone and say, You don't have to say anything, but do you mind if I, I say a few things? Oh, of course. Marcus will turn to the memorial, silent for a second. The thoughts of Juliana, the guilt and the regret. And after a while, he just starts to speak. Hey, baby girl, it's, uh, it's me. It's, it's Papa. I wish I could tell you all the things I want to tell you, and I wish I could have done things so differently. I wish I had been a better father. I wish I had been more open and honest with how I felt and when I struggled with when I came back from the war. I wish I had been a better husband to your mother. You brought so much joy to my life and uh, my selfishness and my stupidity. I lost you for it. And there's not a day goes by that I wish I couldn't take back everything I've done. But I'm going to be okay. And I promise I'll never forget you. And he'll take off his scarf that he always wears. This is, uh, this was my gift for you for your birthday. I never had the chance to get it to you. So I think I will now. And he'll place scarf on the memorial. And he'll stand there and he'll sing the lullaby that he sang her when she was a baby. There's a place by the sea just for you and just for me. And there's a lady who covers the rain. And each new day that I see where with you is where I'll be. And like the lady, I'll cover the rain and hold you close and keep you safe till all your troubles are walked away my sweet baby I'll cover the rain and if we're near or apart you will always have my heart my sweet baby I'll take all your pain. And with that, Marcus will just fall to his knees. And he'll just put his hands to his face and weep. The sea breeze. It tussles your hair. And the tree in front of you. It creaks slightly. Its leaves rustling amidst the wind. Yet as the wind gently rushes through the area, the flames on the nine candles, representing the nine years of her life before she was taken from you, they do not falter. 
they do not gutter. They remain untouched. And you weep. Maya will put a hand on his back, but just stand there quietly. Queen will put an arm up on the other shoulder and just stand there as well. After a while, Marcus will just stand up and look at everyone and just say, Thank you. Think it's time to go now. Yes, let's go home. We'll we'll make some tea. Like that. I'll catch up in a minute. Go ahead. Go inside and have some tea. Kalina, are you sure you don't want anyone to stay out here with you? I'll be fine. I just need a minute. Maya would help Sylvie back, seeing that Kalina is staying a little longer. After everyone's kind of gone, Kalina will kneel in front of the memorial and go. Atrestia takes some way too soon. Your dad's a good person. Hopefully you know that. And then she'll take the green ribbon she got earlier and kind of tie it around the scarf and kind of just let it flow. I remember those by keeping mementos. I'm not sure if your father would actually want one. Not yet, anyway. But I'll give him a matching pair one day if he, when he's ready for it. And I'll do my best to keep him out of trouble. Then she'll say a small prayer. And then go join the others. Family. It can mean so many different things. For some, it is the idea of the nuclear family. Partners and their children. For others, it is extended beyond that. It includes their parents, their siblings, their grandparents, cousins, aunts and uncles. But for others, family is not just blood and marriage. Family are the people they have chosen. People who stand together with them. Friends. Lovers. Companions. Those that would challenge the darkest of foes and the direst of consequences to keep each other safe. And on that note, we will end this session. And next time, the Dauntless will set sail for Atsakan, and we shall find what is enshrouded within the mists. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us 
at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name's Corey, and I play Kalina Floros, who is a ex-human fighter. Ugh. It's Monday. Sorry. Oh my god, I just said all that on mute. No. No, you didn't. I heard it. No, I definitely, yeah. I heard I heard it all. Oh, you did? Yep, I heard all of that. Yep. <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> Never mind then. I have no idea what I just said before that. That made sentence made that ending of the sentence made no sense. Good blooper material. <laughs> <laughs> Looper. <laughs> hmm. Did anyone else notice that cast kind of went robot, or is it just me? Did I go robot? Also, side note, it's really hard to keep a straight face when Discord keeps mentioning this conversation going on. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't think you were reading. Oh, it just pops up on the notifications. So I'm getting live feed here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bloopers! <laughs> yes, uh, for everyone listening, uh, definitely. Everyone in the background has been talking about how Marcus now might be in a love triangle or quadrangle. Because he's clearly, at least as far as Sylvie and Alice are concerned, is married, marrying the warden. Uh, and he has an ex-wife. And now there's this Amelia? Hey, don't forget about the girlfriend on Atsakan that keeps giving him stuff. Yeah, the mystery power lady? She, she really likes him, so... You know, you can't take the game out of the player, but you can take the player out of the game. There's some sort of phrase, uh, you know. Like the Pete Davidson of D&D, so just... <laughs> Is Marcus secretly a bard? Did you... In, did we just not know? Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs>